Hello! Welcome to Something Private, a podcast about everything related to the vagina, from sex to health and of course to society. My name is Nicole and I will be your producer and your host. It's episode 10. 10 episodes in, 10 weeks of you guys putting up with my voice. I honestly can't believe that nobody has commented on how disgusting my voice is yet. I once took a voice production class in uni and the teacher, shout out to Claire, had commented that my voice was extremely like, Dang. I think it's a, like a very Singaporean thing, like we have a very flat, a bit nasally kind of voice. Anyway, just like Netflix, episode 10 marks the end of the first season of Something Private. If you ever wondered why Netflix chose the number 10, by the way, um, it's not just as simple as the fact that it's the first two-digit number or that it's a nice number. It's basically a broadcasting industry trend today that has evolved over the decades. When cable TV shows were big, they used to release like about 25 episodes to fit a nine-month-long TV schedule. The premise of the idea for about 25 episodes was to give me as much content as possible for me to fill my airtime. As the industry became more competitive and, you know, fast-paced, 13 became the magic number for broadcasting channels. The logic was because 13 fits the number of weeks in the calendar quarter. So, it's a simple move from filling airtime to filling slots. But as the broadcasting industry moved from cable TV to a more digitalized way of consuming content, you know, like watching Netflix, HBO, Hulu, Hook, and stuff like that. The priority shifted from filling airtime to filling up show slots. More shows meant more diversity and ability to target different kinds of target audiences. So to break it down, it meant that if Netflix had five shows, they could target five different types of audiences, and that would mean, you know, revenue across like five different kinds of like demographics instead of just one show with 50 episodes targeting one type of demographic. Anyway, that was some quite irrelevant and general knowledge I just wanted to add in because I'm entitled to This Is My Podcast. But back to the program. Over the last two months, Something Private has grown a lot. I've had the chance to meet so many amazing women and you guys have had the chance to hear their stories. You know, from the beautiful Han Lee Hofer on episode 1, talking about menstruation, to the kind and really talented Joey Tan on episode 6, talking about birth control, to the CEO of... 19 brands in Singapore and across the world, Miss Cynthia Chua. I also managed to speak to a gynecologist, a cosmetic gynecologist, a sex therapist and intimacy counsellor. It's only been 10 episodes, but I've really learned a lot more than I have ever learned um, in my 20 plus years of sex education in school. And I hope you guys have as well. I think my biggest takeaway has truly been that there's so much support around opening conversations about women's health and wellness. And you really see this when, you know, um, when I reach out to these women who very openly and willingly come on board the podcast to share about the most intimate parts of their lives with me and you, the listeners, you know, out of their own goodwill. You know, I'm I'm just really touched and therefore even more motivated to carry on the conversation. So a large part of the podcast has been quite focused on women's sexual health and well-being. As mentioned in my IGTV last week, season 2 is going to touch a lot more about mental, emotional health as well as the makings of society, relationships, friendships, workplace, boundaries, gender stereotypes and stuff like that. Which means that after this episode, we're going to take a short like commercial break and we're going to be back with more. It's going to be louder, it's going to be better, and this same annoying voice is still going to be here. So okay, on to today's episode. It's going to be a bit of a dip into, to give you guys like a flavour of what season 2 is going to be like. Do you remember when National University of Singapore undergraduate was 
given 21 months of supervised probation after pleading guilty to outrage of modesty despite the prosecution's call for a custodial sentence. 23-year-old Terence Xiao Kai Yuan had molested a woman twice in a train and again at Serangoon MRT station on September 12th. But it's not Terence's actions that everyone is talking about. The court decision of a supervised probation with certain conditions drew flag online with netizens saying that the man got away too lightly. As of 7pm today, more than 20,000 people have signed an online petition calling for a stand against what was termed as favouritism for sex offenders. A month ago, the victim, she posted on Facebook a short post after the verdict of the sentence came out. She had also changed her profile picture on Facebook to a picture of Terence himself. She said, quote, Yes, it's me. Number one, it's not my buttocks. He ran his finger across my genital area. Number two, I was offered $5,000 to compound the case for a lighter sentence. I refused to do so, and this is the result. Number three, he literally got a get-out-of-jail free card because of his academic performance. Number four, Brock Turner. Number five, I'm not angry anymore. I'm just disappointed that the courts are choosing to treat an adult who has committed multiple sexual offences, not only to me but onto others, as a child. Number six, he's a math tutor. Number seven, the handwritten apology was delivered to the media before I heard anything about it. And then she also uh, posted several updates after that saying she never asked for any donations and any page that asks for donations is not a page that belongs to her, and that she won't be commenting or updating anymore because she is quite overwhelmed by the responses. She then linked Minister Shamugam's response that he posted on Facebook to the verdict, as well as the original article by the new paper. The only thing that was going through my mind was like, what a fucking badass. What a fucking trailblazer. Honestly, fucking... I was like, wow, she's real cool. I... Mad props, mad respect. Sis, call him out! So I reached out to her on Facebook Messenger. And what do you know? Hi, thanks for having me on the show. So the very latest about the case that was reported is that Terence will not start probation due to the pending outcome of prosecution's appeal against his sentence. This basically means that the case can be considered to be ongoing. And so for the time being, while the case is ongoing, I have to omit certain content that we previously recorded for over two hours some time ago, just so that I don't get fined and arrested, and that this podcast can still exist. Yeep. Instead, we're going to be talking about other things, such as her decision to post her opinions on Facebook, the memes that service as a result, sex education in Singapore, and the future of our society. So consider this as part one of the episode. Part two will be released when the court case concludes. Anyway, last year mm. was when I made the post, but at first it was a friend's log post, and then uh, one of, a few of my friends encouraged me to set it to public so they could share it with their friends. Mm. I think I was quite surprised, because I saw your post. I didn't see the original one you did last year. Mm -hmm. I saw the one that you did this year, the short okay. one, and a friend had sent it to me. When I saw it, and you had changed it to his Facebook, I was like, okay, that is so badass. <laughs> hell, <laughs> hell of respect. I was like... Wow, she is. I'm, I'm amazed. It's really very brave to come forward to say, hey, something happened to me. Please mm. help me. And it's another thing to be like, you know what? I'm dissatisfied. Because I feel like, even when I speak to my, my female friends and everything, right, it's like, everybody most have similar experiences where, yes, you know, they go same. through something uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, they, he made me feel uncomfortable, but never mind. You know, I don't think that there was big enough for me to warrant a report or you know, he probably was like drunk or like they find excuses for mm. it. First of all, really kudos to you. Like, it's not easy. I was also surprised because from my understanding, yeah. your name was protected by a gag order, correct? That's right. So I'm wondering like, 
was there any like repercussions for you coming out to say like this was me? What was the decision making going on for you? When I first heard the news from David, the newspaper reporter, I just reacted to it on my own. I didn't I didn't actually know that I would be violating my own gag order because it didn't make any sense to me personally. I understand the concept of a gag order being intended to protect the victim and I completely respect the courts on that. But at the same time, I know that if the internet doesn't have a name, the internet will just accuse you of hiding behind a veil. And I felt since this is my story, I should not be the one who is ashamed and has to hide. I can step forward. And if there's something wrong with saying, hey, something bad happened to me, then isn't that really strange? <laughs> isn't, isn't it strange if you're punished for, for saying that you were the victim of a crime? <laughs> I felt like even if no one listened, even if um, people thought I was the one in the wrong, even if in the end, you know, I'm just a small voice drowning in the ocean, I felt that's, that's the way it is. It's okay. I just want to state my piece and get it off my mind. As for putting his face, honestly, I didn't like how the Monica Bay case is the Monica Bay case. The Monica Bay case should be the Nicholas Lim case. I feel that it shouldn't be her name, her picture, her Instagram out there. I am a private person and I think anyone looking at my Facebook feed can tell that I did my best to keep my Facebook my Facebook to the extent that some people thought I was a fake profile <laughs> and that's fine. I mean, to me, that's fine. I think I was really triggered when I saw that look in his eye in the new paper picture, like with the mask on and like turning around. Like I was thinking, why should my face and my name be what's on view for everyone when it should be his? When I was reading about your case, I followed it quite closely as well. Mm -hmm. I saw a lot of, I saw a lot, a lot of support actually. I mean, like I'm not this time anything. Yeah. yeah, I saw you no, know, like there were like forty thousand people like signing the petition, and then like. Because um, I use Twitter a lot, mm -hmm. so like everybody was coming up with like um, memes, you know, and like we were talking about memes <laughs> and stuff, right? Yeah, and like a lot of girls were like, they were just so, not even girls, like boys and girls, they were so yeah. outraged at the whole, th exactly what you outraged by, like the whole fact that, you know, he had like a bright future and his GPA was high and they had, they had all the GPA memes, yeah, so like, I, I don't know, like how do you, how do you feel about that? Like how, how was it when you heard about like, I guess like the, bunch of people who were rallying behind you. And what I was your favourite, what was your favourite meme? God, I was amused because, you know, you know when I got the news, I myself was very tempted to post, like, it wasn't a GPA meme because I didn't know GPA then. Mm. I was, or rather I think it was, it was there but I wasn't paying attention to the GPA itself. I was so tempted to make a meme mm. and put it on SAT and I held back I was like, no. Other people can do it but I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> it was, like, what meme would you have done though? Wow, it's so hard to choose. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, there's so many like, templates, uh, yeah. Okay, to be completely honest about what came to my mind first, you know the meme where like, the glasses Asian boy has his hand stretched out and there's a butterfly? Oh my like, god! This, uh, so I was gonna write like, is this a minor intrusion? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> no, but... No one did it, you know? No one did it. Oh my god, that's really funny. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> no one does a good one, but nobody used the butterfly meme. No one. No one used that format. Yeah. There were a lot of people doing like, I don't know if you saw, but like a lot of people were doing like TikTok videos as well. No, I didn't. It was like this, it was like this girl like running away. Okay. And then like it was like anywhere. So it was like <laughs> just running away from like crimes and whatever. I'm like... Oh. <sighs> well, yeah, I... I, I 
I don't know, I thought that like, it was... It helped to lighten the situation. Mm. Like, I was, it was so serious and then, you know... But at the same time, I looked at it and I was like, this is absurd, it doesn't make sense. Whenever there's absurdity, there's humour. Mm-hmm. So immediately, like... I think the potential for memes to me was so obvious from the start. Mm. I restrained myself. I just, I just stated what was out there. And I think with all the, you know, we, we know about the laws on what you, we can say and we can't say on the internet to some extent. Like, we may not know it inside out, but we know that such things exist. Mm-hmm. So I was also careful to just say what I thought I would be allowed to say. I'm, I'm glad that I'm not the only one who saw the absurdity in the situation. Mm. Yeah. Well, the internet was really, like, raging. They it was like, on fire. It was like, what the... <laughs> But it was great. I think it was, like what you say, it helped to lighten up the situation. Def- yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So I think one of like the big things was like that Chamugam also came forward. Yeah. And he was like, he was, what was it? Surprised. He was surprised, yeah, at like the outcome hey, that of was, the... That was tough, man. Because, okay, mm. when, because I saw the verdict yeah. and I was not surprised. Okay. That he was surprised. If you ask me, how do you feel about it? He asked you. No, no, I was asked by like, I forgot which reporter, like how do I feel about Chamugam? <laughs> surprise. Then I was like, oh, I'm surprised. I have to restrain from saying, refrain from saying like, I'm surprised that he's surprised. <laughs> no, but it's, it's true, but... Yeah. Like, isn't this, isn't this supposed to be a standardization in how things are done? Yeah. So I meant like, like I, I was, I was really expecting him to defend the decision, mm. to be frank. Yeah. Because this is like my image of how Singapore's law works. Mm. You know, you do something, this is the result, and what is the point of appealing? Mm. Mm. Was, was it, so was it like a, I guess like more positive surprise for you? Yeah, I was like, wow, maybe something can happen. I'll mm. give it a 30% chance. Mm, mm. But, mm. yeah, I I honestly don't think it will be, it's, it's a guarantee. And mm. as he himself pointed out, I think that was, I think the most important thing in the post was that, you know, if this is the correct result that the judge gave based on the current system, yep. then maybe we need to relook the system. And yep. I think I really respected that. Yep. I have like um a couple of like law friends and we were talking about like this situation also talking about because I think at one point people were becoming a little bit like malicious towards the judge. There was this case with the was it a monk? That was a shock. The monk um I think the monk's case happened Three days before, three days after the Terrence one, the news came out. So I think three days before. Okay. Because it was very recent. And um, the monk received jail time for sure. Mm. I It was like s- s- I, but six, of six months or so. Of jail. Yeah. And and mm. he touched the lady's boobs. Mm. The lady was the same age as me. Mm. He touched her boobs for an instant. Mm. And it was six months for that instant. Mm. It was the monk's first offence mm. on paper. I don't... Nowhere did it say anything like he had done it more than one time. Mm. And the monk was also intoxicated. I understand later that... Um, I understood later that actually the fact that he's drunk makes it more serious. And and I think the monk said something like, to the extent that he was really sorry, he knew he knows the sound of his faith shouldn't have done such a thing, and he broke down crying, something mm. like that. I think one thing I was very amazed at is the fact that like you, which is a very smart thing to do, like you went home and then you typed out the whole account on your phone. Because uh, I think like the whole aware thing, they have their whole like mm-hmm. sexual, the, the responding like surveys and everything, mm-hmm. right? So like, 
one thing that they do in their, their training is to get girls to be more aware that like if let's say something like this happens to you, what are the first steps you take? Which is something... I didn't know. Yeah, it, exactly. It's, but it's, nobody knows. <laughs> because it's not like something that they'll teach you in school. It's like, okay, now we're going to have like sex at... This is what you do when you get... Like, but they should, they should have taught us this in P5. Exactly. No, exactly. And I yeah. think that this is super important because... Then it's like, it's really, be- it becomes like, if you have no evidence, it becomes yeah. your word against mine. You know exactly. I mean? Then a the guy can be like, no, I I didn't do it. Then you're going to be like, I have no evidence. And then it's just going to be, okay, case closed. One of the things that like Aware like shared was that like, when you are in that situation, I think it's just to have that very base level of knowledge that like, if ever something happens to you, you need to know how to first of all, gather, like, evidence. Like, mm-hmm. be it to type it down, to take a photo, to maybe take a voice note. I don't know. Collect, like, let's say, if he scratched you, or, like, he tore your, yeah. like, dress or whatever. Then collect that evidence. Yeah. And then, in the next, like, I think it was 72 hours or something, go to a police station and make a report. Yeah. I think the important thing was also, like, that they said, was to get a friend or somebody that you trust mm-hmm. to go with you so that it wouldn't be, like, you know, me versus them kind of thing. I think the only thing that you might want to be prepared for at the police station is that you may have to recount your case more than one time. Mm. And I know repeated recountings are difficult. Can be traumatizing, so, yeah. So, if you have that written record, at least you can refer to it and read off it again. So, it feels like you're reading it instead of recalling it as you yep. as you say what happened. Yep. And that, that helps put a bit of a barrier. Mm. Yeah, I think that's very sound and very good advice. <laughs> no, I mean, it's yeah. so sad, mm. but like necessary. You, you know what I mean? I, I was also getting a deluge of PMs because the topic was personal, right? And in this deluge of PMs, I would say 80 or 90% were from people whom I had known for varying amounts of time about their own stories and what happened to them. It was mostly women, but there were a few guys as well who told me that they had been sexually assaulted by, by people but haven't come forward. I think the most shocking one to me was an Mm ex-policeman. And I was thinking, you know, what kind of toxic masculinity it is when a guy can't come out and say that he's been touched by another guy because he's a policeman and doesn't want other people to look down on him for that. I think it's messed up. So for women, I realised that there seems to be a pattern, if I might say so. I noticed that the girls who get affected often tend to be like the... I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say they are. They have model figures or whatnot. In fact, they could have very average standard figures, but what they have in common is that they give off a very timid and girl-next-door yeah, vibe. I agree. I agree totally. And they have so many stories. Some of them tell me. I don't know how many people they tell, but they, they don't report to the police and they get touched so often that it disgusts me. It, it happens to them repeatedly and they are afraid... And they, they just shake and it just continues. I I feel like it's really messed up. Are these like strangers that reach out to you? No. Um like when I when I say this I mean like personal friends mm. who who saw my story and, and decided to, to like, you know, tell me as well. <laughs> A few of them like posted on the post itself, but I was really swamped in PM so it was it was insane. I couldn't keep up with my WhatsApp and my Facebook and everything for a bit because of all the messages coming in. There were strangers as well coming forward, but and at the time Facebook didn't filter out like strangers' messages, so everything just came in at once. And if I 
happened to see a pop-up with a story that was personal, I would definitely open it and talk to that person. I would go so far as to say maybe half, half of the women I know have had such personal experiences. And I want to say to anyone who needs to hear it, that you don't need to feel that your story has to go to the police. Because that is whether that is your own, that's up to you. It's up to you whether you want to appeal to justice, to do something about it. But the more, the more important thing is yourself. Please see a counsellor. If you can't afford like a counsellor, I know AWARE has counselling services that um, is packed to your income. Please reach out to a close friend or family, someone to at least, you know, get it off your chest, have a good cry, you know, put yourself first. For those who do have evidence, for those who are just holding on to it and shaking and thinking, should I do it? It's your personal choice. There is no right or wrong. There is no shame in deciding that you don't want to pursue what has happened, so long as you are at peace with what happened to you. And if you are not, then you already know something's up and you should fix that. Mm. Something Private is a podcast produced by WeFM. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor, CastBox, and many more. We want to keep having more conversations about female health, but we need you guys to be involved. Share this episode or podcast series with your friends, family, or anyone with a vagina, essentially. Be sure to join our Telegram channel and Instagram page at somethingprivatepod. Drop me a DM at somethingprivatepod. Let's keep on having these conversations out loud. Let's talk a bit about like society. Mm. So I think in my opinion, where we are at now, it feels like people of our age are quite done. Like they are like, okay, you know what? <laughs> Fuck this. There needs to be some kind of change. Like we all, I guess we all agree in some ways. But what's next? Like what are the next steps that we should be taking as a society? You know, as like one collective. Yeah. What is our next move? I yeah. think one thing you mentioned earlier about how this should be in sex ed, mm. that would that would really empower, I think, both girls and boys. It shouldn't just be to girls only because boys get touched too mm. and it's messed up. Totally agree. So whether it's what AWARE did, like tell you what to do first in case of assault, they should be, they should be taught like, this is what you do to protect yourself. I don't like how school is focused on making it about only abortions and protecting yourself from unprotected sex and that kind of thing instead of boundaries and respect for your partner, whether it is uh, about about consent, about when when you, you gotta stop, and on the other side, like, what you should do if this person is not respecting your boundaries. That would be really formative, I think. But mm. this stage would happen, I would say, in primary school. Mm. I'm not sure at what level of primary school. I know that for some kids, they learn... Their parents are really open and they can start learning this kind of thing like what, even P1 to P3. Mm. And other parents are not so open and they would rather talk to their, ch- their kids about it in upper primary. And mm. some parents just don't talk to their kids about it at all and just trust that their friends will talk to them about what happened. Mm. I think um, there's a lot of variance in what parents are comfortable talking to their kids about, especially yep. when it comes to sex. Yep. And because it's so taboo... When something does go wrong or there's some discomfort, sometimes the kid doesn't tell their parent until much later. Mm. And I've got friends who are like, what, between 20, 30, and they only realise that they got sexually assaulted later on, but they couldn't 
they couldn't like come out and see what happened. I would say the other level for this would be toxic masculinity. The fact that we say boys will be boys yeah. is really the core of this. Why is it that if a boy touches a girl inappropriately is seen as or it's just his raging hormones. Of course it's wrong, but it's his raging hormones, you know, boys will be boys. But let's say if a girl touches a boy inappropriately, then the boy's like, wow, lucky you, you were touched by a girl. Like, <laughs> I think it's only fair that guys should be able to speak up about being inappropriately touched, no matter whether, no matter which gender. I think if a guy, you know, speaks up about being touched by another guy, society will react like, oh, how dare he, that... Mm you know, that guy shouldn't be touching you. But if it's a woman, like, oh, how lucky you are. Mm. It all starts really young because you learn about all this, you know, boys boys do blue, girls do pink, as yep. young as kindergarten. And while there are some parents who actively give their kids things like, you know, it's all right, even if you're a boy, you can play with dolls. Even if you're a girl, you can go for taekwondo. Even though some parents do that, like, they cultivate that kind of household for their kids, their kids go to a regular school, and your kids go to school, other children will teach them social norms. And it just takes one or two kids who command the class and tell them, this is the law. This is what girls like, this is what boys like, this is what girls do, this is what boys do. And then they learn. My friend's kid, her favourite colour was blue. And then she came back telling her favourite colour was now pink, because girls can't like blue. Then her mum was really upset. Just like, no, but if you like blue, you can like blue, it's okay. And the girl's like, no, I don't like it anymore. Because I'm a girl. I think she was three or four at the time. Mm. And this whole thing about boys have raging hormones and boys have sexual needs. And, you know, some some, some guys believe stuff like, you know, girls can't enjoy sex. Mm. It's Girls don't masturbate. Yeah. Mm. I don't know, we're not unicorn fairy princesses. Yeah. Like, thanks, but no thanks. Mm. And whether this has to be a sex ad thing or just like a basic hello, this, mm. is, this, is, this is what we're about thing. If we don't change these really at the core building blocks of kindergarten from the home and in the school, you're not going to see much change happening. Yep. I agree. Like, like at the kindergarten, if, okay, let's, let's say hypothetically we have we have um, the boys and girls rules set in the kindergarten, and then maybe at a later stage, where there's primary, secondary, or tertiary, they learn from someone else that, hey, actually, that's not the case. How much can you really unlearn? When, you, when we form these, I guess, like stereotypes, for lack yeah. of a better word, from a young age, you know, it really, like, it affects you when you grow older. You know what I mean? I think, right. to me, I think, like, one thing that I think is very important is to, to speak about it, like, to... I think for girls, like, for me, what I want to see is, like, for women to be able to be, like, I am this, I'm not a perfect model of, like, a feminine, shy, you know, like, <laughs> little girl that has to be taken care of or, like, coddled, you know, mm. and, like, for men to be, like, I'm not this, like, masculine figure, I don't have emotions, I mean, I have some emotions, but, mm. like, I'm, 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 I'm in control, I'm, like, an alpha, you know, I, like, I can take care of you, you know, I don't, I don't break down, I don't cry, that kind of thing, yeah. I think, I, I'm not saying that, like, Singaporeans are, we fit into these stereotypes, but I think to be accepting that, you know, people are very nuanced, you know, and, like, yeah, mm. to be able to be, like, I'm not, I think for me also, like, I'm, I'm not a super, like, feminine, I've never really fit into, like, that whole, like, very shy, <laughs> stereotype, you know, and that's always been fine with me, but I think yeah. I want people to be like, hey, you know, I don't fit in that stereotype either, and it's okay, 
you know? I think perceptions are changing. Mm. Definitely for the boomers and maybe around half or so of Gen X, it is true that, you know, a man shouldn't cry. Mm. There's, a, there's a very chauvinistic mentality going on, but mm. it's usually not ill intention. Like, they really believe that the guy should pick up the check, the yep. guy should open the door for the ladies. It's a mixed chivalry plus ego thing. The guy should be the breadwinner of the family, the pillar. The woman is a supporting character mm. to the to the, to the to the male protagonist in the movie. Mm. And you can't say that it's anyone's fault per se, because that was the media of the generation. Yep. Look at how Disney movies have changed. That in itself shows you, like, the big jump in thinking. Now it's shifting slightly, and I would say people with, if I dare say, the old kind of thinking are unnerved because they say, oh, but look at all these girly men. Like, you know, these guys aren't really men. And uh, they should be ashamed that these women are taking more powerful positions ever is. I mean, this is really just toxic. And I guess it's a step forward that we are slowly beginning to open up to the fact that, that the gender ideals are breaking down. Mm. It's not perfect. But I would say when we were growing up, if we saw a job stewardess, you would see a woman. Nurse, it's a woman. Policeman, firefighter, it's a man. And now the kids' books are slowly changing. You can see women as policemen, as firefighters, as soldiers. The kids are being taught, hey, girls can do these things too. But what about boys? Will you see male nurses, where you see male stewardesses, there is still that barrier. Women are now increasingly being allowed to be manly in that sense. Mm, that's like, true. But like not vice versa. Correct. Mm. Like we can That's true. Maybe maybe it's still not socially permissible like to open your legs coffee shop and spew vulgarities while mm. smoking a cigarette and drinking beer. But certainly it is more permissible to like do things like wear pants have a managerial position. Mm. Then to like wear makeup for men. Or yeah. Like to put foundation. To cut your hair short. Oh, that's To be true. your own boss. Mm. And these are things that women a hundred years ago couldn't dream of. Mm. I mean, as a kid, I was a tomboy. I loved the Power Rangers and I wanted to learn Taekwondo. And my dad was like, no, you can't learn Taekwondo because girls don't do that. But I'll let you learn ballet. I was like, no, I don't care about ballet. <laughs> You know, so actually as a kid, yes, I did want to pick up some self-defense, mm-hmm. but not because I wanted to protect myself, because I mm. thought the Power Rangers were cool. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Me Too, the whole movement, like overseas, it's a bunch of women moving together. But for Singapore, it feels like a bit... No. Yeah, it's different. You know, it's a bit, it's a bit different. I wouldn't say there has to be a leader, but there is no... The closest thing is like Monica, but at the same time, she is not like a... She's not like a, oh my god, yes, let's like, let's go, let's go, you know, like, let's fight for equality, which is fine. I think it's fine. She has a lot on the plate. But it feels a bit like the whole movement goes in waves for us. It's like, horrible. Everybody's like, ah! Then they say like, hmm. Then like, something happens again. Then it has to be like, like, something has to happen for it to trigger again, you know? Like, nobody is... We're too reactive. Correct. And nobody is like, taking appropriate like, steps. Like, like... But isn't that Singapore culture? Like, Singapore culture by default is... What, but what can we do? Yeah. I don't think it's as bad as it... Okay, maybe it's because from the last case, mm. all those memes we were talking about, mm. I feel that that's our uniquely Singaporean form of protest. We can't, that's true. We can't, you know, 
we can't wear black and carry umbrellas and go on the streets and do things, but we can definitely make a lot of memes. And, and oh my god, using humour to cover up our pain. Right? But that's us. That's our that's, brand of humour. So but it's true. And, and, you know, the extent to which it resonated and it got moved around shows that we do care about such things mm. and we do feel frustrated and we mm. do want change. So that's a step forward. I really feel heartened by, by that. Mm. It was a messed up thing, but uh, thank goodness for the internet. I think so long as, as the people we want, we want to move forward in this direction, people will understand that socially some things are unacceptable. Incels will be incels and they have their groups where they encourage their own personal behaviour. But so long as they understand that there really is punishment, I think they'll become quiet. But if they are taught that there will really be no repercussions, they'll just become emboldened and it'll perpetuate. All society can, can do really is to look at the law and see what they have been doing. And if really the law is not doing what it's supposed to do, that's, then society needs to speak up. If the law is doing its job, there wouldn't be all these disgruntled people to begin with. Mm. As it is now, I do hope that there will be less perverts. I do hope that they would think twice. You know, on Anywhere's Whispers, there was this guy who posted a comment saying that he 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 felt temptation, but he didn't want to be the next person who is who is like an NUS pervert case. So mm-hmm. he was like like, like doing an SOS. I yep. don't know if it's a troll post or if it's real, but mm. if it's if it's real, then all this online outcry has done its job in turning some people off or at least making some people worry about their mm. actions mm. because if you're in your own bubble like for us you're in our own person you know our friends agree with our views and what we do and people carry out these actions they have support as well there are threats where people will exchange you know like the SG Nasi Lemak mm. people will exchange like women's pictures yep. and upskirts and things like that and when and I think they are being rewarded yep. like if you if you post what your own content or certain kinds of content then you get invited to like VIP groups where there's even more saucy content so they have their own systems where they encourage their behaviour and if we don't put a stop to this it'll just get creepier yeah no yeah I was gonna I was gonna say that like it's very concerning some of the Mm -hmm. things that the men have been doing recently and I don't mean to Mm -hmm. I'm not like blaming a gender I'm really not but it's just that like Wow, some of the things that you are up to is like, it's fucked up, eh? Like, what's yeah. up? But I don't get it. <laughs> you, you don't see women putting cameras in men's showers? Yeah, the fuck? Like, I, I just like, I, I feel like the men, the, the male population is for some reason quite broken. It feels that way to me. Like, there's a deep-seated issue that they are not addressing. Or like, society is just like, mm. you know? It's the intel forums. There was a, there was a very interesting post by, I forgot who... I'm sorry, I don't have my sources anywhere. I, cool. I, I can find somewhere, but like it was a Reddit post. Mm. If you look at Reddit, like my son is an incel, something like that, and it's a detailed story of how like this boy became a depraved teenager and uh, how participation in these forums forms part of their social identity, mm. and and in shaping these values at a young age, like at what thirteen, fourteen, especially around a time until it becomes so entrenched in them. And their parents reacting to it in a negative way only fuels them further. Mm. So I think the real problem is all the support this kind of idea is getting. Like, all these 
all this um, fucked up thinking is getting way too much support. Concluding notes. I think at present, I'm quite torn about the whole state of Singaporean society and I feel very affected by everything that has been going on or the reports that have coming have been coming through. I follow the news very closely. I follow um, social media comments. I read people's posts. People try to round up and give opinion about what they think about. I follow all of them very, very closely and I don't want to add on to the pool of noise, although it's a good noise, but like I, I know there has been enough conversation out there. I think the point of this episode was more to, I guess... My intentions are always very pure. I I just hope that, you know, if ever any of you listening to this podcast struggle with something unpleasant that has been done to you and you need somebody to talk to, there is always this platform for you to reach out to. I'm always here. I know friends and um, many other individuals who would also be very willing to help you out. All you need to do is to reach out to us and yeah, we are here. But I think more than that, it's also about, I guess, like, even though there's a bit of, like, a fatigue around these conversations, I think it's still important to drive it forward because, you know, we can't get tired of it because if we get tired of it, then it's just gonna keep, like, history's gonna keep repeating itself until something is eventually done. While we're on the topic, the popular Can Ask Mare series by Our Grandfather Story is premiering an episode on 12th November, which features stories from sexual assault survivors. The video will address misconceptions around sexual violence like were you asking for it? Did you report it? What were you wearing? As well as what can be done to reduce sexual assault, starting with sex education at home and in schools. We worked really, really hard with some amazing and brave individuals who share extensively about their journey. So make sure to catch it on 12th November on OGS's Facebook, YouTube and Instagram. I think one thing I want to say is that you know, on one hand, there are so many great people of both genders who know how to respect boundaries, who know how to have healthy and open conversations about assault. On the other hand, hardware zones, EDMW exists, um, used to exist and the amount of people who still go on forums and like post on Facebook very malicious words you can really you can really see and you kind of get a glimpse into what goes on behind their posts you know at the core of what they believe is quite scary and frightening it's really really concerning actually and I think there's been a lot of talk about calling out these individuals who commit um, such crimes, but it's important also to to have someone to facilitate proper rehabilitation for those who commit crime and yeah, for the victims as well. With that, I hope you guys have enjoyed this season as much as I have enjoyed talking to the mic every week or so. Something Private Season 1 is out for the time being. Follow me on Instagram at somethingprivatepod or on Facebook at somethingprivate to stay tuned for more updates on the upcoming Season 2. Okay, it's gonna be a really, really short break. I'm gonna be coming back really, really soon. So don't be too sad. So still, still around. Um, during this short break, uh, I'll still be very active on social media. So like I said, the intentions of this episode is really pure. If you need help, please feel free to reach out. I'm always around. So I won't be seeing you guys next Monday, but I will be seeing you guys very, very, very soon. So bye!